Welcome to the Hope Frontier Podcast. Hope Frontier is a multimedia platform that dives deep into the Bible, helping you connect God's Word to your life. Check us out on our YouTube channel and HopeFrontier.com. To support our channel, please subscribe and go to our giving page on HopeFrontier.com. Step into your new frontier with hope. Welcome to the Hope Frontier Podcast. This is Phil, and I'm excited that you're with me today. So today we're going to take a look at John chapter 5, and I really like this story because for us it really shows us the heart of God because there are times that God will heal people who aren't very gracious or, or have much gratitude at all. There are times Jesus will heal people that he knows had sinned, and that their life doesn't even change at all. But God still picks and chooses them for some specific reason. So we're going to take a look at this chapter 5, and we're going to do two sections of it, and we're going to stop halfway so we can digest and talk about really what's going on before we finish the the second section of John chapter 5. So let's get started in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the man said. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So we'll stop there. So this man that we're going to look at, was sick and paralyzed for 38 years. Now, interestingly enough, 38 years has a parallel to the actual time that the Israelites spent wandering in the wilderness. The other two years were spent um, also outside the promised land, but getting up to the wilderness time. So it's a striking similarity. And we're actually going to see in this story here that this man is not really a good person. His reaction and his attitude are bad. He rats out Jesus to the Pharisees and just really shows no sign of any life change despite this amazing miracle in his life. So in verse 6, Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. And in the Greek, when it talks about that Jesus knew, what it's saying is that he had this internal intuition from the Holy Spirit and that gave him this special knowledge. 
So Jesus had been looking around all the people that were there, and there would have been so many of them that were there. But Jesus specifically chose that one person who had been sick for 38 years. Now, interestingly enough, just like I said about the 38 years for Israel, this man most likely had done some sort of sin, had most likely done something wrong, because we will see later in the story, right, that Jesus told him to stop sinning or something worse may happen. Now, maybe perhaps he had done something wrong and then God's blessing was taken away, or perhaps he had been worshiping some sort of idols and therefore he actually got a problem from those idols that caused him to be paralyzed which would be the similar things to what happened to the Israelites, the fact that they got into the wilderness from all their uh, disbelief. So it's uh, not saying it is like that, but there are a lot of similarities, which is a little interesting. And, you know, really what Jesus does here is quite amazing. Now, these people that would be here would be the lowest of the society. It would be dirty be very impure place because of all the sickness. There's probably a lot of disease there as well. But Jesus doesn't care about those things because Jesus is on a mission to heal the blind, lame, and the sick and to bring about God's kingdom on earth. Now, the question for you and for me is why did Jesus choose this man? Right? I mean, if Jesus knows his reaction, knows his heart, he would know very clearly that after he healed him, well, he wouldn't be very thankful. This is a stark contrast to John 9, where that blind man is so thankful. And we'll do a few comparisons later about what that looks like. But Jesus knows what's going to happen, but still chooses him. So, you know, in our lives, we will see God bless people who aren't thankful. And we will see God do miracles for people who really don't deserve it. I'm sure there, there were way more people who deserved some sort of miracle. But the fact is Jesus healed that one. One of the reasons why he could have healed that man was strictly to show the point about him over the Sabbath, but he could have chosen somebody else. Another part of that reason could be to really drive those Jewish leaders against him. So using somebody who would perpetuate that cycle would actually be benefiting the kingdom of God later to make sure that they really hate him and do kill him on the cross. So that also could be another reason. And finally, maybe God just wants to show all of us that he still loves people who don't love him back, that he still will do miracles for those who don't care about him because that's the heart of our God. He loves people who don't even love him back. And that's why he sent Jesus down to die for all of us. Because we didn't love him when we got saved. That's obviously true. So Jesus asks him, would you like to get well? And we see the man's attitude. It's very negative. He's very gloomy. He has a feeling of self-preservation. You know, I can't. No one will do it for me. Everyone's always there ahead of me. Oh, my life stinks. Look at poor me. He really has that kind of attitude. He doesn't have any faith here. And so Jesus is going to go ahead and still do a miracle. 
even though this man has no faith. God doesn't necessarily need faith to do a miracle, because and this is a great example. But there are other times where faith does play a very important role in the miracle process. There are many times in the Bible where Jesus does miracles, but he cannot do them to the full extent because the people didn't believe. Like the time he returned to his hometown and he could only heal a few people and not do any major miracles because of the lack of their faith. So, you know, it's really interesting why sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't that important. I don't know. So that's the guy's attitude. So in verse 8, Jesus tells him to get up, to pick up his mat and walk. And the picking up the mat is important because it really needs to be a symbol to all the people around him that the man is fully healed and stronger than ever before. Of course, to stand up is an amazing miracle, but he must prove that he truly is restored and healed. And by picking up the mat and carrying it, it will show to everybody that he is fully healed and fully restored. So, the key part to the story is that it happened on the Sabbath. That is the key to this story. Because we'll see in the second part how Jesus uses that to show his divine nature. But the Jewish leaders objected to this. They saw what the man was doing and they came to him and objected. Now, isn't it interesting that the Pharisees instead of celebrating the fact that this man got healed, instead of celebrating the the 38 years of bondage being broken, they just got angry and objected. And a lot of times for us, we can really get in this trap as Christians. When God chooses to bless somebody else, we can get angry at the way God is doing that. How too often do Christians get upset that other people get financial blessings? Or perhaps get the nice house and they don't have the right kind of faith. Or maybe they're atheists or they have some sort of problem. God doesn't want us to be full of that jealousy or full of that that judgmental anger. If God wants to bless somebody, you know, thank God for blessing that person. Right? It's God's, it's God's job to work in their heart. Right? But what I can do is I can be careful about my heart and not be full of that anger or that bitterness. So what does this man do? So when the Pharisees approached him, the first thing he did was take the blame off of himself. Hey, the man who healed me did it. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing anything wrong. This is once again showing that his self-centered heart, looking to blame somebody or looking for self-preservation, is really coming through. In John chapter 9, when the Pharisees approached the blind man who got healed, he instantly started praising Jesus and calling him a prophet for healing him. But this man doesn't do any of that. Not one bit. He wants to look good in everybody's eyes. We can see that instead of praising God the way he should, he's really just looking at how he can save himself, which is the exact opposite of what the miracle was supposed to do. When Jesus does the miracle... Everyone is supposed to see it and celebrate. So they asked him, who did that? And the man didn't know because Jesus had disappeared. So what Jesus did was Jesus found him after he met with the Pharisees. 
which is the same thing that happened in John chapter 9. But in this case, Jesus told the man to stop sinning or something worse may even happen to you. In John 9, the man bowed down and was praising and worshiping Jesus. But here, this man has the exact opposite reaction. So the fact that Jesus told them to stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, once again shows us that this man's heart had something inside that wasn't right. So we can see that even though Jesus healed him, even though God did an amazing miracle, his heart was not changed at all. And in the reality of our life, there are people who do accept miracles without showing any form of gratitude. But we shouldn't get angry. We shouldn't get mad. Jesus didn't get angry. Jesus didn't get mad. But what he did do was tell him very clearly to stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And what's worse, the man then went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So he actually went out of his way to go back and tell on Jesus, even knowing the Pharisees hated him and had it out for him. So that's the heart of that man. But it didn't stop Jesus. So let's take a look at the second part of chapter 5. This is verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father's always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be truly astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent them. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And we'll just stop there, and that'll be the last of the verses that we'll do for this podcast. So the Jewish leaders really started giving Jesus a hard time because Jesus was breaking the Sabbath rules. So what does Jesus do? Jesus goes back at them with some theology and plants himself at the side of God. So at that time, the Jewish people knew that God technically cannot rest because in their minds, when God rested on the seventh day, on the Sabbath during creation, he is constantly making sure the world is in order. Because in their minds, if God had ceased from all activities, the cosmic order of the universe would cease to exist and everything would stop working. So, for the Jewish leaders, they know that since God cannot break Sabbath laws for he is God, he is still working because he is above the law. So that's their reasoning 
Okay, that's their thought process here. God is above the law because the universe is still functioning. Therefore, God is technically still maintaining the universe on the seventh day. So the fact that Jesus is claiming the same thing is showing the Jewish leaders that he is above the prophets. He is not just a special candidate from God, but he is above the law, which means that he's on the same page as God. So they kind of freaked out and they wanted to kill him, right? Um, but then Jesus comes back and shows at the same time his extreme humble heart. So Jesus really shows the dichotomy of who he is, the divine king, but at the same time, the humble servant of God. So he says the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. So Jesus is really emphasizing the fact that he can't do anything by himself if he's just a human. But God has specifically given him every skill, every talent, and every ability to do these miracles through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this immaculate conception from the Virgin Mary. So Jesus really is going at these Pharisees and basically demanding them, hey, the very fact that you see me doing these things, especially on the Sabbath, you must recognize who I am because I'm above the Sabbath rules. Jesus is calling on the Pharisees to recognize who he is and what his claim is. And of course, they can't do that. They don't want to do that because that means that he is God and that, and that it would go against everything that they want. These Pharisees wanted God to come on the planet through the Messiah and kill all the Romans, Greeks, take over the planet through force, and then take the Israelite people and put them on a pedestal and have everyone basically worshiping the Israelite people which is an extremely proud and arrogant way that they wanted to do it. And we know that the heart of God is not that. God does not promote pride or, or, or arrogance. God sees everyone as the same family and the same team, and no one is better than anybody else. So this is exactly why the Pharisees were angry. Jesus even begins to foreshadow that he'll do even greater works than just healing this man. We're going to see later that Jesus goes on his ministry, healing more people, raising others from the dead, and then even raising himself from the dead to the power of the Holy Spirit. So those are all things that he's foreshadowing here. And then in verse 22, he does signify that only the Son has the absolute authority to judge. And that is what Jesus is going to do. And, Jesus, and just as Jesus tells that man to stop sinning, Jesus is the one who's going to go forth and condemn the world for what they have done. This gives us a great warning for ourselves that, hey, when God does see us and God does act in our life, he really expects us to believe. We can't just get everything free and live our own life and expect no judgment from God at all. That's not how it works. God expects us to believe, to have gratitude for what he's done in our life, and to really spread the good news about him to all around us. That's what is God's heart. 
And this man's heart does show us that we must keep this heart of thankfulness and this heart of gratitude. Otherwise, we become stuck on our ways and then God can't work with us. And we should really be concerned about the future state of our soul because God is serious about wanting us to follow him. So as we live our life, let's make sure that we're full of thankfulness and we're full of gratitude because when that is our heart, then we're actually going to see the way God's moving and he'll be able to move through us more and more. And not to mention the fact that we'll be free from sin and we'll be changing. It's our decision how we want to react to God. Let's not be like this man who was full of the self-preservation and the self-centeredness. Let's not be like that, okay? Let's be the ones who are like the man in John chapter 9 who are full of thankfulness, praise, and just giving God the glory for all the good things in our life. I hope you liked today's podcast, and we'll see you next time for the Hope Frontier podcast.